We are Wrestling Elitists. I'm your host, Alex Gibson, alongside two of the greatest baby faces in the business, Chris Scott Moore and Sean Nash. What's going on, boys? Hello. Go Lions! Woo! Ooh. Came back with a big tie. Not a loss, but a tie. Uh, something that satisfies everyone. Hmm. 50-50 booking. It's ruining Kissing everything. Your... <laughs> Kissing your sister. <laughs> We are. This is our first show since Full Gear. Uh, last week, we we blessed everybody with two episodes, and uh, now we're going to be following up and going over everything we talked about last week and kind of so- seeing how we felt uh, the show ended. I think we all had some really positive thoughts, but then some obvious critiques as well. Uh, so looking forward to getting into that. But before we do, just please make sure you're checking out our website, wrestlingelitist.com. We've actually made a few changes to the interface over the last few days. Um, as well as we've added a couple of great new articles. Chris's hardcore one came out. Um, and then I've got a couple that are coming out soon. And then uh, we also have started the process in getting our book review uh, part, part going, including getting our logo done. Shout out to our marketing guy, Jason, for that help. Um, but I want to go pretty much straight into this. So first of all, just in terms of the show itself, what were your thoughts? Were you surprised at the quality was there anything that really stood out to you in terms of um match match length anything like that match length as well as the order of the matches that you were surprised by um i thought the match um layout worked pretty well i think we kind of got started on a nice high note with a a feud that we were really looking forward to then got things kicking with a tag team match and kind of had some placement of the matches that we weren't Anticipate or looking forward to the most place there in the mat and the match card to kind of cool things down just a little bit before they picked right back up, but nothing really too long, maybe one match here or there, but I think it was nearly perfect all around. Yeah. I think it was as, as strong or stronger than all out. I mean, it just, your mileage may vary. Everyone has different tastes. And I think star ratings wise, you could see on the, uh, internet wrestling community that people are rating these matches wildly different. And I'm assuming that we're going to have some differing uh, takes on what we ranked um, as well. But uh, I love the, the, the event. It was, it, it did feel epic. It felt like a very big culmination of everything. Um, it's funny because I think with all out, that was just the anticipation and there was so much hype about what could be with all the big debuts. And then this was about the realization of all the hype that came in. So uh, it's kind of 1A, 1B, whatever you like the most. But I enjoyed this. I thought this was the best AEW pay-per-view of the year. And I think AEW's strongest pay-per-view um, they've had so far. But that's my taste. And uh, I'm excited to hear what uh, you Sons of Guns thought, too. I uh, I definitely agree with you both. I think it was a great, great overall card and the way that they handled it. I think they they put a couple of matches in the perfect spot. There are a couple that wouldn't have been the way that I would have expected or the way I would have gone. But ultimately, if I look back on it, it made sense for for its spot compared to everywhere else. So uh, let's get right started. Let's uh, let's jerk the curtain and go right into <laughs> MJF and Darby Allen. Uh, Sean, what, what were your thoughts on there? Um, this was a perfect match. Nearly perfect match, I should say. Um, MJF, clearly the master of breaking down anyone's psychology, but I truly didn't think that it was going to happen so late in the match and actually in the match. Just a nice little subtle cue of do it. 
break my head open with the skateboard that you love to do. And just that little, little inch gave him the roof, the room that it needed to take down the last pillar that he needed on the, uh, the future of AEW. Um, and it's kind of exactly what we expect, what I expected, but didn't hope what would happen actually. So of course, MJF gets that win. Um, little bit of outside interference, nothing crazy. Um, MJF was selling the hell out of the knee and they both kind of started the trend for what kind of seemed like this whole show involved, which was the first thing is apron spots. Love to do that. Uh, he did the tombstone pile driver right on the apron. Just why do it? That's the hardest part of the ring and you're going to do your most affected body part right there. Come on. Um, but like I was saying, apron shot spots, Eddie Guerrero tributes and pastel colors were huge in this whole pay-per-view. So they really kicked it off there with the, the pastel coloring of his trunks, the apron spots. And then he, MJF kind of called it from the beginning. The He's going to beat you with a side body headlock. And that's what we saw a lot of trying to take over pins. And that's kind of finally what got him the victory along with the AEW diamond rink that he's got. But, uh, yeah, I Good match nonetheless. I, four stars for me, but please, Alex. Yeah, I thought that the fact that he had been talking about winning that match with that side head side headlock takeover, and then actually did it after uh, cheating is just it's heel gold. You know that he's never going to shut up about that, mm-hmm. even though obviously he cheated to get it. It's so MJF. It's so on yeah. brand. He is it's a incredible. Star. How much MJF understands his own character and understands how to tell yep. a story perfectly. Oh yeah. Yeah, I I ranked this match a little bit higher. I thought it was exquisite. I I didn't think it was like the greatest match of all time, but I thought psychology wise, it was one of the stronger matches they've had. Um, MJF going with I'm going to break you mentally, but also trying to break him physically and injuring his back just to be an asshole to set up the Scorpion Deathlock in hopes to break him mentally. Um, because of Darby's size. Uh, a lot of the times MJF doesn't always look like he's the biggest guy. He doesn't look like someone that Vince would go after or Laurinaitis would sign. But in this match, he certainly did seem a lot uh, more intimidating physically. And he took advantage of it with the with the moveset that he did. He used a lot of power bombs. Like that power bomb on his own knee was incredible. And that set up oh, him yeah. being hurt with his knee the rest of the match. But that was one of the sickest power bombs I've ever seen. That had that that blew me away. Um, and he got to just dominate Darby and really focus on Darby's back. And that was consistent. It didn't, there wasn't a misstep with psychology where they did a false move or something that was like, okay, now you're not selling the back. And MJF consistently sold the knee, which that's, I think, a lot of uh, indie wrestling's criticisms and AEW's criticisms is that it's too fast or there's no psychology. This match was nothing but psychology from start to finish. And they did a masterful job of really sucking you in and loving that ending where he's quintessential. MJF were the asshole one and even JR JR apologizes in those somber tones of like I'm so sorry that MJF won. Um but yeah that side the 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 side uh, sidelock the headlock takeover side headlock takeover good lord um was a great uh false finish in like almost the end of the second act of the match almost the beginning of the third where they're doing those uh pinfall sequences 
And it looked like he, they were actually going to do it at one point, like knowing that, okay, that's not going to happen. But Darby got a false finish with that. And I was like, oh, shit, like, it sucked me in. Um, the match felt a little bit long to kick off a pay-per-view with at first. But then watching it back, it didn't seem like it was dragging at all. And it really flowed and told a fantastic story. So I loved it a lot. I gave it four and a half on my marker. I think you both covered a lot of my thoughts on the match already, but I was I was surprised that that's what they went with first. But looking back on it, it was perfect. It was a great match. Like you said, Sean, it set the tone. Pastels, Eddie Guerrero, and apron spots. That was the theme of the night. <clears throat> and I think MJF really had a chance to kind of show up and show out. There's been a lot of people who feel like he's a little bit too protected. He doesn't actually have a chance to ever go in the ring. And for the longest time, we were seeing him with Chris Jericho, which Jericho's obviously one of the greatest of all time, but he's 50 years old. So to see him go one-on-one with Darby, hold his own, and put on just a spectacular match, uh, the fact that he continued to sell his knee and was basically destroying his own knee to hopefully destroy Darby uh, was just perfect to me. I had this match as well at four and a half, and it came very, very close to being my match of the night. Yeah, and I'll also say, too, you mentioned that um, it was a surprise start for the show. I think it actually, in hindsight, it made perfect sense. This is the culmination of Hangman's storyline, and now this is probably going to be the start of MJF's this, uh, ascent for the next year or two um, and building him up to be the next main guy that takes over and runs with the company. Um, and it's a perfect bookmark on both ends of the show. You have the guy that got it. And then now this is the guy that's going to be the focus uh, going into the next uh, probably two years. Um, and this show also did a great job of focusing on young talent, even though, yeah, some of the older guys won punk Jericho, so forth. But they did showcase younger talent getting an opportunity to win. And MJF was the guy that shined the brightest there. It it almost feels like this is act two of AEW. The first year or two, yeah, you really no, haven't yeah, had absolutely. established. Mm-hmm. You had to have those established guys get people in, get people yeah, buying the in. First, the first phase now, is complete. Now they have the roster. And now they finish the store. The, or they, that, they, they didn't finish it because there's so much more to do. But the first part of Hangman's story is over. Exactly. Great. Uh, so moving on next match we had was the Lucha brothers defeating FTR. Uh, I think there was probably some mixed, uh, reaction based on just mine and Chris's. We are, we're about a star apart here. So I'm excited to hear how, uh, kind of where our differences there are. Chris, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think you talked about this on the previous show of like, they have a uh, potential styles clash or that like, people thought they did, or just kind of how they would interact. But you also interjected that with, they're more similar than not. And that really kind of stuck in my head. Um, they do ju- they being uh, FTR, they do just as many reversals and they do so many false finishes and they do a lot of the Gaga, even though it doesn't seem that way on, on the surface as Lucha bros. Um, the psychology, yes, wasn't as strong. It wasn't a story that you could easily identify and tell anyone watching, but amazing high spots, false finishes. Um, I didn't go too crazy with the star ratings just because that end did feel a little bit. Um, it felt like it was too much of a good thing, and they ended on the the note that wasn't the best one and the mo- and the highest note. Um, that finish, the British Bulldog-esque finish where they hit the uh, – assisted pile the assisted pile driver then he like flipped off him that would have been a perfect finish if you know you're going to go with lucha bros winning i would have just ended at the peak but i think they wanted to incorporate the mask for some reason to keep the storyline going i don't know 
Um, I thought it was really strong, though. I liked it. Kept the energy up. I love tag team wrestling. This was a very strong tag team wrestling match. Um, yeah, I loved it. It was it was it was a very good match to me. Um, for me, I thought it was just a little bit lower on on the scale. I gave it three stars. I think this one, if any one of the matches of the night, really kind of went a little too long. It definitely should have ended at that package pile driver stomp, frog, frog splash, whatever. Uh, and then the end doesn't know what the hell it's called. <laughs> yeah. It was just an amalgamation of a ton of moves, just like yeah. anything that the uh, Lucha brothers was, do. Right. It was like a, uh, like in Tony Hawk when you're just doing a bunch of like combinations <laughs> all at once, just button smashing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and having the end kind of go the way it did with the, uh, the masks and we have the JR, I believe it is just ringing in our ears. The wrong guy was pinned. The wrong guy was pinned, but it didn't really seem that there was like the, amount of uproar that FTR should have had if that was the case. So kind of didn't really know what was going on there. It seemed weird from the beginning with this like weird missile drop entrance that the Lucha brothers had. It just really fell flat from the beginning with me right off the jump. Um, Of course they did more Eddie tributes. Uh, Penta really gave a interesting look when he gave his, it just felt a little dirty. But uh, I, I think I kind of hoped more from this match just with the two people who it was. But uh, it didn't fall totally flat, but it felt a little short for me. Uh, I don't know, Alex, are we kind of on the same path or are you leaning more towards Chris or better? Yeah, no, we're, you and I are on the, on the same page there, Sean. I felt I gave it three stars and I, I, I this is what I picked is what I was expecting to be my match of the night. So there's probably a part of this that was I had a little bit too high of expectations. However, I think the ending, it was, I'll say it for the third time, that package pile driver uh, should have been the ending of the match. It was like if you were to go see a comedy show and somebody used their closer like five minutes before they used a joke that they've never told before. It was just why you you close on on what's what's going to be memorable to me. And then obviously I understand that Gallagher the whole, smashing the fruit. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I understand that the, the mask thing is probably to extend the feud because now FTR can claim that they didn't technically lose because the legal man wasn't pinned, but it was just the way that they did it. It, it probably sounded better on paper and maybe they were being rushed like, Hey, we got to go home. We got to go home. And so they just did it and it just kind of ended up looking the way it did. But I just, I didn't enjoy the finish to it. Uh, the other thing I want to say is Penta had zero hip movement on the three amigos that he did. That was the ugliest three amigos I've ever seen in my Snap. life. Snap. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, the 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 whole illegal man or wrong man tagged in there, it's so hard to catch who's legal and who's not in AEW tag team wrestling. Like it's great, but they get a lot of time in the ring doing tandem offense where it is just difficult to discern that. And they don't make enough to do about, okay, this is the illegal man. You got to get out. So yeah, I hear you there, but I, I love Penta's smile though. I mean, Sean, I don't know if you weren't a fan of that, but just, they, they seemed very happy to invoke Ray and it, or uh, Ray, uh, Eddie. It was, it was, it was cool to see. Oh, it was good. It was just so there was so much to it. Like his, it just like ear to ear, it looked like he was grinning. And with that extra paint, it was just like, Oh, I think it's just weird to creepy. see Penta smile. Yeah. yeah. And to have like you and I have taken pictures with him without paint and seeing him with paint. It's just totally different. There's so much more 
more to him with that more mystique. Paint. Yeah, truly. <laughs> I I will say that I did enjoy the the spot that they did with the the you know the shimmy and everything and kind mm-hmm. of switching it back and they forth. I thought, that, I thought that was good. It was just, a great frog splash. It was absolutely so that, that was amazing. Five star, some may say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next, I hope you boys have been doing uh, speaking exercises, red leather, yellow leather. Let's say it right. Brian Danielson, Brian Danielson. versus Miro. Good job. What Good were your job. thoughts? Um, I really expected this match to be my favorite. I think I said that before on the preview show. It didn't quite hit that mark, but I think you kind of saw something that I was waiting for to see with Brian. This kind of really felt like a match where he was better than the other opponent, but just Miro's moves could really keep him in at his strength, his build, kept him in for so long. But this was a finally a match where like I would have expected with Dustin um, or uh, Gold Dust, whatever he is now, just to see a shit pumping him, just put him into the ground. But Apparently, he's got a little more in the tank than we thought. Miro, he's got that brutality, so he could really give it to him. Uh, There's a little bit of an odd finish to the matches we see with Brian, where it was kind of like a the roll-up. It wasn't a submission tap or the uh, flying knee. Kind of a odd way with a just competitor of his style. Um, I just think step for step, he was better, and the better man won. I really expected that we would see this down the road not quite so soon probably for the new aew world champions uh next contender i i thought we'd see miro and him defeat the big monster but brian danielson prevailed so chris what was your thoughts on this match i think i I think you i give it three stars i don't know if i said okay yep and i think you like talked us into (laughs) alex thinking that miro was gonna win this one so uh botch finish at the end i think he was trying to go for a top rope ddt that he hung on to to do Mm -hmm. some sort of a tap out move and that would have protected miro a little bit more i suppose especially with his neck being of sand and you could talk about that longer uh i felt like they just never hit a second gear it wasn't bad i just was expecting it to go a little bit more aggressive even though i like ground and pound and i do like submission style wrestling nevertheless it just didn't feel like it had the energy um you know, to go to the next level, but it wasn't bad by any means. I thought it was a very good match, and I like seeing these guys beat the shit out of each other. Three stars in my book. Three stars for me as well. I felt like it was not as great as I wanted it to be, but I still enjoyed it. That finish definitely did fall a little bit flat, but I, I, I think we could all see what they were going for. It just didn't work in the moment there. And overall, I was surprised by the fact that Danielson beat Miro but looking back on it, it might just be one of those things where he, ha- he he's going to have to be the number one contender sooner or later. So let's do it now. Not necessarily get it out of the way. Like I don't want to sound like nobody wants to see this, but kind of keep the crowd because otherwise the crowd is just going to keep wanting it. It's like CM Punk chance. So I think, you know, looking back on it, maybe it does make sense more than I originally thought. Still would love to see Miro get that shot. Hopefully, um, you know, they kind of continue with this God's favorite champion or or former favorite champion and seeing kind of where he goes from here and see him start redeeming others and build his way back up to the top. Yeah, maybe this is something that we see if Brian is going to have the number one contender. We see Kenny immediately come in with some kind of fuckery or someone from the elite just to stifle that for a minute, kind of steer him in a way 
off the title belt, maybe a feud with Adam Cole per se, but I don't know. I would kind of like to see this feud happen a little more down the road in Hangman's career or title holder time, but I think it'll still be great. Yeah, I think what they could be doing with this is building up to either a big pay-per-view by rating for uh, Revolution, um, or they could be setting up Moxley to come back and interfere when he gets a shot against Hangman. More on that later, because I think there was a little couple of uh, subtle foreshadowing that went on after the post-match scrum, but uh, some seeds got planted in my mind. When we talk about anticipation later on, I'll go into that. But uh, I also did think that the show needed to breathe just a little bit and slow down somewhat as well. And if there was a guy that could get the crowd to slow down but hopefully pick him back up was Danielson. It just didn't get them up high enough to get to that uh, four-star territory. But it was a fine match. There was nothing wrong with it. Um, I don't think anyone would say, oh, that sucked or that wasn't um, good by any means. It was a fine match. If this is Danielson's floor, it's a good, it's a good, pretty good damn floor. Yeah, if that's a shitty Definitely. match, then that's that's amazing. Yeah. Next, we had Christian Cage and the Jurassic Express defeating the Super Click, which all three of us were wrong in our prediction, and want to hear your thoughts on if you think that was the right move on AEW's part. Uh, I definitely think it's. I mean. I guess it's about time to give the Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy and Christian their uh, their little rise on this little feud. Maybe this is a good way to end it. It kind of seems like this might have been a push towards the more face side of things for the Young Bucks and that coming more later. Uh, but overall, this match is brutal. And I'm glad that they didn't take it back outside or behind the stage kind of away from the fans line of sight it just keep it live don't make us some kind of grand spectacle like save that for your stadium stampedes every little how often you want to do those it was nice to just kind of see that you go into the the crowd and christian kind of going a little callback to his older days on those extreme matches jumping off that balcony really took me back of like uh, jeff hardy doing that with uh bubba ray uh, it was overall all insane. A little, it was probably just exactly what I expected it to be. I I gave it three stars myself. Um, interesting to see Jungle Boy take that uh, that spot out of Christian's hands and hit that concerto. Wonder what that means if he's kind of fully grown and he's not more of a boy anymore, but a jungle <laughs> man. Yeah, we'll see to come with that. But I think it kind of hit the perfect mark that I thought it was going to. Um, didn't blow my mind didn't didn't bore me i think it was a perfect match to kind of keep the the pace of the show going but three stars for me i i thought that uh that passing of the the concerto was was pretty interesting as we talk about how this is kind of going into act two uh, of aew's kind of existence seeing that as like is that going to be a jungle boys repertoire now it'll be interesting to see Maybe, yeah. I love the pathos to it, though, as if that was like he was like letting the dog down, old fashioned, like old yellow style. <laughs> it's just this big traumatic, like, I got it. I got I'll it. I'll do it, Paul. <laughs> I could do it this time. <laughs> I'm ready. Oh, um, man. But I, I, you know, I, I agree with you, Sean. On, I'm very glad there wasn't a spot like that Matt Hardy botch backstage. Um, and I think it does make sense to keep um, uh, Stadium Stampede different. Uh, especially if they want to run that again, like keep them in the arena, 
definitely, uh, you know, betcha crazy attitude era type match, but we were going to see that with the inner circle street fight. So I just didn't see why this couldn't have been a six man tag. I don't want to belabor the point, um, and go into fantasy booking territory, but I would have been fine with it as a six man and probably where it was situated on the card. It wouldn't have been a bad move either. Um, but the right team kind of won and you do something different now with the elite and super click. So it was fine. You got to see Jungle Boy get a big pay-per-view win on a big stage. And again, it reinforces young talent pillars showing up in a big way. Oh, three stars. Sorry. Yeah, agreed. It was a it was a match that I, this was one of the ones that I felt went on long. It was a little bit they could have kind of gotten through it a little bit quicker. Uh, I think overall it was a good match. We talk we've talked about it a few times. Jungle Boy, great in these multi-man matches. Super Click, obviously, this is where they excel. They did a great job. It was cool to see uh, Jungle Boy and kind of get that passing of the torch moment or passing of the chair moment, I guess. I think that for a Falls Count Anywhere match, you're not going to ever really see that be. To me, it's going to be hard to make that a four or five star match just because there's such a cluster. So this was about as good as I really feel like I could have expected. Uh, Nick Jackson is the king of heat with dyeing his beard any color of whatever the spectrum that they're going to do. It's he just radiates it anytime they go on pay per view or any big match when they do something. Bold choice out there. Yeah. yeah, Chris and I were watching with a non wrestling fan, a uh, friend of the show, Jason, and he was just absolutely disturbed by his shirt choices later on in the show. Oh, awful, awful. So moving on from that match, uh, I think everybody's most anticipated the, that night was Pac and Cody versus Andrade El Idolo and Malachi Black. Boys, what were your thoughts there? Much like this show needed to be maybe a little bit shorter in some people's eyes, we'll be short on this match too. We don't just go and <laughs> on what the fuck and be all mad. Um, I just, yeah, it's he's it's an audience of one. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Like people say that about Vince, but this felt like, boy, it felt like this was one of those stories you hear of Vince rewriting the script at eight o'clock before Raw's about to be go on air. Like it just felt like let's just throw everything together and see if it sticks and see if I can locust some of the heat off these guys. I, I just don't see it any other way. Um, yeah, wasn't happy with it. Just very unfocused, unclear, and the crowd is still very against him. But. Uh, Malachi Black got to shine. Andrade had good moments. Pac had good moments. I liked how they were all kind of at each other's throats with the way they tagged. That was creative. I liked that it wasn't buddy-buddy on that, but uh, this just didn't really make sense and didn't go anywhere, and the crowd shit on it, and they weren't happy. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of miscommunication miscommunication with the, the EVPs and the fans because – we just really didn't want to see this. And it kind of just heated up two feuds to happen with each team member. It Cody is absolutely blind on this one. I think it's a two-star match. There was some good moments from... They all had like their moments in the ring, but match just made zero sense. And we just rekindled a feud of we're Cody and Pac, and we're going to kind of put Malachi Black and Andrade at each other's throat a little bit during the match with some of that miscommunication, but there's hardly anything to it. And there's hardly anything to say about it. I think I, I gave this match a three star, <clears throat> but it was mostly out of the idea that I, I hope that it was setting up 
future feuds. I liked, like Chris said, the fact that they're from the very start, both teams were just tagging themselves in and not clearly happy about it. I like the fact that Pac got the got the pin. Um, I was surprised by that. I thought if that team won, I actually kind of thought Pac was there to take take a pin uh, more than anything. So I think that he's somebody who kind of gets left out. And especially as we've taken on more and more talent in AEW, he, he just kind of falls further back down the line. I remember when they first announced AEW, even when they first announced All In, the first person I was thinking that I wanted was him. And I think he was on that path and then obviously COVID hit and then he's staying in England. So he's you know only here every few weeks. So I was really happy to see him be the one who got to, to get, uh, get the W there. Uh, I thought the ending was a little weird having FTR come out. Wonder what that's really going to involve, uh, especially because Dax didn't come out. Chris and I thought maybe that meant he was injured. Yeah, uh, I didn't see anything online about him being injured afterwards. No, no. He put a really grateful was, about wrestling posts, but nothing about like injury wise. So nothing too crazy. So yeah, so I'm I'm just wondering where that all goes. Do they continue working with Andrade then, or or what's to come? I think it was a match that I guess essentially exists at this point, and we won't really know what it all means until Wednesday and potentially Friday of this week, seeing what that fallout is. I my guess is it's Pac. Sorry, Sean. It's just it's Pac getting the shot at Hangman because they had that initial feud and that was the you know that was the dream match kind of to start off the promotion with. So maybe it's Pac getting that shine. And I know there are some scuttlebutt too about well, who's Hangman going to feud with right away? It can't be Danielson. Um, but Pac makes sense. But at the same point, it goes. We we talked about this before. Like, what's Pac's character? And he hasn't had that moment to be a consistent big guy an important guy because we don't know what his character is and sticking in with Cody does not fucking help. Like that just makes everything very unclear and the crowd gets confused as to where they should be going. Yeah. That's kind of almost exactly what I was going to say. I was just thinking it'd be nice to see him kind of stay for a bit, get on a little bit of a heel run because that was when he does some of his greatest work. He can't be a bastard and be, the crowd favorite going against two other heels. It wouldn't be nice to kind of see that feud reheat again with him and hangman that kind of started the whole AEW life's lifespan. It'll be interesting to see where things go from here for sure. Next we have Dr. Britt Baker DMD defeating Ty Conti. I thought personally this match was surprisingly stronger than I expected. I think we all were going into it thinking that Ty just wasn't ready. So there wasn't going to be a a whole lot of heat into it, or it just wouldn't be as exciting. I thought coming out of it though, she looked great. Uh, Clearly they were protecting her with the way that they had that finish with her being rolled up. She didn't tap, uh, which uh, is interesting because I don't believe anybody's gotten out of the lockjaw after Brit puts it on somebody, so they didn't put it on her or anything like that. They let her escape that. Um, Good call, yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to what this means for her in the future. She also just got her first AEW action figure, her being Ty. So they clearly think uh, highly of her. Looking forward to continuing this down the road, or maybe her even kind of being one of the first main challengers for the TBS title. This was a three-star match for me. Uh, Chris, how about you? Yeah. Um, I was scared shitless during that spot though, on the apron, there was a lot of apron spots, you know, Sean, you mentioned that and it, um, a lot of Eddie tributes, a lot of, uh, apron spots, but that one was just brutal. And I was, um, 
not that it took me out of the match, but I was like, I, I wanted to not have kayfabe exist in the moment and just make sure that like Brett checked on her too. Cause the, the ref checked on her and I was just hoping Brett would be like, Hey, are you okay? It just like, you just saw that subtle cue or something that everything was fine. Cause that looked brutal. And I don't think it was recklessness. It was just a big spot that there's no other way to land it that way. And they both agreed to it. It wasn't like it was, um, you know, a Nia Jax, Charlotte Flair kind of a spot, but yeah, they both got protected. Um, they're both going in different directions, but they want to stay strong. Bright needed to beat someone. She fit the mold. Uh, keeping the heels with her is going to make Brit a heel still until they can turn her into a baby face. Because I think that's where the crowd wants to go. But to keep her on such a long reign, they're going to have to keep her a heel for a while. Because uh, I think she does, again, need to be like Roman and have the belt for a very, very long time. Uh, because she's the best female wrestler and she's the biggest star that they have on the female side. I mean, she's, I would say easily the the best women star in wrestling right now. Um, the fact that the us three dorks with no video did the DMD thing every single time we talk about <laughs> it just shows how fucking into her we are. <laughs> so true. love the match three stars. Um, yeah, things are, things are looking good for these two too. Uh, I definitely reciprocate the three star. I think we all go that way. I need to make the early retraction. Ty Conti is definitely a judo and black belt. She's got a BJJ in blue. So that's my bad. That's that's fast reading on the fly. Bad bad journalism. But I'm not a journalist, so I'll never claim to be. Uh, that air raid crash to the apron, like you were saying, was just absolutely brutal. That after two matches, after we saw a crazy three way falls count anywhere match that still just dropped my jaw like holy shit that was that was intense. the craziest spot of the night i would say or the one that made yeah. me go like oh wow blue yeah absolutely uh much better than i truly thought ty conti i think did a very good job uh for being more than just the number one contender the the ending of the roll-up win by brit is just not what i wanted but still happy for a win with the dmd absolutely needs to keep the belt for a while um three stars i think it was good good not great but i, I think there's a lot to come with the, the women's division in aew so it's a good keeping the the flames on the the burner that match did a really good job of making me excited for when they face off again in the future yeah yeah it's not it's the feud's not over the the ability to get up for this match isn't done with yet Definitely. And, and Brick gets better and better in the ring. If you look at the way she was when they first started AEW and people kind of rejected her, gave her a little bit of that Roman Reigns treatment, didn't think that she was ready for the spot. She's obviously got the character down. And every time you see her in the ring, it gets better and better. So uh, next, uh, we had CM Punk versus uh, well, defeating Eddie Kingston. Sean, talk to us. Yes, this match, um, spoiler, I gave two four and a half star matches, and this is one of them. I think I was really looking forward to this. I thought this was going to be the match of the night last week, and this definitely had had its merits of being it if there wasn't that main event. From the beginning, um, CM, I don't know what the hell you call those, trunks, fighter shorts, whatever they were. It is just real heel work from the beginning. He just just <laughs> throwing it to the fans, whatever. But uh, when Eddie hit that Hiroken chop to start, not even the bell hadn't rang it. Just a real these these flames are fucking on fire. He just Eddie gave it all, 
and I uh, I was really happy to see it. Crimson Mask from Punk really unleashed this kind of dark side of him, kind of led to what was, I feel like, a, a very heelish CM Punk throughout the whole rest of the match. Uh, we saw the the beginning of the five moves of doom from John Cena, a little callback. Oh, great. A little callback to that uh, promo work that they had. That was a callback to him and C- uh, Cena. So is Punk kind of becoming what he hated at one time the most? He really, really healed it up. The post-matched handshake that he kind of just put his hand out there to his back. Like, of course, Eddie's not going to see it. You're not even going to help him up, attempt anything, and then get pissed off when he just walks out in your face, pretending to be all high and mighty. I think this was perfect CM Punk kind of leading to this heelish, heelish nature of his. Uh, like I said, four and a half stars. There was so much animosity, emotion, and storytelling in the match that it just it was everything i wanted it to be and just a little bit more what about you guys yeah i so the first thing i would say uh alex and i were having a debate watching it live of what is cm punk gonna wear and then much like the lions it was a tie it was fire <laughs> <laughs> uh, how perfect <laughs> but um yeah i love that first uh backhand slap that eddie did that was his one shot that he was gonna get in and he relished it and it played off the is this a shoot thing just how much he enjoyed it and he had so much uh fun hitting that backhand slap so that was a great spot and then they just had a good brawl that was very fast paced that was the quickest 10 minute match or i'm sorry the most epic 10 minute match i can recall seeing where it just felt so intense and quick but it felt um like it was a classic match that went probably triple in length just because of the emotion involved in it uh, I love the finish, too, of Punk really putting in those knees and pummeling the shit out of Eddie to give him what he wants, the validation that his schema was correct, that Eddie's an asshole who doesn't respect the business and doesn't respect him and wouldn't be man enough to shake his hand, even though Eddie had no reason to shake his hand based on that match. Also liked an interesting, subtle move, too, that when Eddie had Punk up in the corner, Uh, to do some semblance of a top rope spot. He didn't have the energy left and he was working fatigued. He wasn't fatigued obviously in real life, but it looked like he was blown up and they made a point to uh, later on in the scrum of Danielson called him out on being out partying after their match that they had. And and like, okay, what would he be like if he had better cardio? Eddie talked about, is it because I'm fat? Like, so just bringing up the fact that he wasn't in the best ring shape, I think is going to come back. Later on, that planted the seed for maybe a storyline or to have them, uh, him be they, them being uh, Moxley to do a uh, heel tag team, I think, setting up an angle with Punk and Danielson. I think that's where it's going to go, or perhaps them running interference on Hangman on a match. I don't know, but I uh, definitely love this match. I gave it four stars, not four and a half, but I didn't think there was anything unsatisfactory about it. Like, I think this to me is the definition of a really great four star match. Um, uh, I, I I loved it. I thought it was a great storyline. I love seeing the Crimson on Punk. Uh, he definitely is showing a new side of his character that's different in AEW. Um, and he's got some wrinkles and you don't know where he's going with his character. And Eddie had so much momentum and people love him coming into this match because of that article. So it, it's just it's, who the hell knows what they're going to do with this, but I just want to watch. That the match was awesome. I think 
like you said, it, that was the fastest 10 minute match I've ever, not fastest, but like the, that match felt like a 30 minute match in the best way, essentially. Uh, I think some of the things that stood out to me, you already talked about it, that spinning back fist to start the match. And then Eddie's facials after that, he just looked so pumped and so excited and like, I fucking got him. Um, that was great. I think the fact that Punk was able to get the fans to boo him as loud as they did, it wasn't just some stragglers booing him. It was the majority of the crowd or or a loud minority of the crowd, at least. That was really impressive because we t- people talk about it with wrestling all the time. There's no such thing as real heels other than MJF, it seems like at this point. But what we were able to see with Punk is the most beloved wrestler, uh, you know, especially for because of the last seven years, was able to get the fans to boo him because they believe that much in Eddie and they hate seeing what's going on to him. That was a great for me. And then also, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie My Cousin Vinny, but there's like 30 to 40 F-bombs in that movie. And I think <laughs> this match had just as many middle fingers in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, how long has Punk said to in his comeback, like, are you guys getting sick of my, you know, smiley and happy to be here shtick? And it's like he wanted to have that moment happen where fans saw the edge and they shit on him. It made him happy to see that the character, not the real person, Phil Brooks. Um, I didn't think I'd hear a Mike, my cousin Vinny reference here. So I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. A little bit. I'm Melissa Torme. I like it. Um, but they did swear a lot. Like that was another thing too. Like we talked about these threads running through the show and maybe agents not talking. I think there was like middle fingers in every single match. Like yeah. at least like six of them. There was a fuck you and middle fingers and everything. I mean, that's fine for me. I love that kind of shit, but you know, far be it for me to say, Hey, don't say fuck. I mean, I'd be a little hypocritical, but uh, it was just odd that every match seemed to have that too. Yeah, it was, there was, it felt like when you're like in high school and like you're hanging out with your friends, and you, you just like, you know, that there's no parents around so you can drop as many f-bombs or middle fingers as you want yeah you unload from the whole week you uh, the whole time you've been building it up yeah there's so much emotion (laughs) and so much personal shit in this whole pay-per-view with most of the matches that really boiled over yeah a lot of times i feel like it actually it made sense that they were doing it It didn't just seem like they were doing it to be edgy or anything there's a couple times probably that it was a little bit excessive but overall i thought that it was fine i just thought it was funny in that match specifically like Punk Punk would hit, give it a middle finger when Eddie's down on the ground, and then Eddie has to respond with one type of a thing. It was yeah, it was enjoyable. Uh, um, overall, for me, I gave that. I think I sent over in my pre-show notes. I I gave it four stars, but I actually meant to give it four and a quarter. Um, that was a great match. I think that once again, it was another one where it was in contender for um, match of the night for me. And you know, honestly, if it went a little bit longer, there's a chance that it could have. But also, the emotion of my match of the night, I think, just made it really hard to beat yeah but i I didn't think it was disappointing though too i mean i I know we talked about this being one of those matches that could be five stars and it wasn't five stars for the three of us and not close but that's okay it didn't need to it it did what it was supposed to do and it was fine and that's a match you can still watch again and again and again years down the line and not get sick of it absolutely yeah and it and it proved to us that punk still punk is still punk Oh, yeah, his first match, he yeah. fucking his, has it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his, he has it. Like, yeah. there's his not, other matches, were, yeah, were, they were all fine. But now it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that's what we've been waiting for for seven years, and that's mm-hmm. what all the anticipation up to the first dance was about. Oh yeah. Moving on, um, I think we have everybody's match of the night next. The Inner Circle uh, <laughs> defeated Men of the Year and American Top Team uh, once again. 
probably spend a little bit of time on this. Uh, yeah, I made the joke to Alex that uh, Dan Lambert looked like Melissa McCarthy or uh, Melissa. Right now, wait, Melissa. <laughs> no, that's McCarthy, what you said. Name? Melissa yeah, McCarthy. Okay, uh, she looked like Melissa McCarthy doing Joel Gertner, like that impression <laughs> of like his like, hands went, going like that and jumping around. <laughs> I don't know. Um, again, another Attitude Era style bra, brawl. I don't know why they had tags in the beginning of the match. Like that doesn't make any sense. If it's a street fight, that's just stupid. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't even want to hear the explanation as to why they did it and why we don't know psychology or why we're stupid fans. It just doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, it, it needed to be a lot shorter. Um, you could have squeezed that in in 10 minutes and no one would have felt that was too short. Um, it's just not my cup of tea. I think fans probably loved it. Not enough fans know the words to Judas still. That's an ongoing problem. We're going to really have to work on that as a fan base and a group. If you're at an AEW show, there's a chance the camera's going to be on you. So you got to know the fucking lyrics. Teach it in the schools. You yeah. know, if you just like, if you just mouth watermelon cantaloupe, it looks like you're singing the words. So as long as <laughs> you do it to the rhythm, so at least do that. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll give this probably as much time as stars I'm going to give it. It was a one-star match. It, it may have been entertaining in person to see, but Dan Lambert coming out in the probably the second worst tracksuit combination we saw tonight other than Brandon Walker. Uh, I'll give it to Sammy that that swanton off the ladder was pretty nuts. Uh, it looked super high up there if it was a good camera angle to it, but awful, awful. Just didn't really need it in this whole great pay-per-view that we had otherwise. Um, and Lambert getting the walls on Jericho for a second, just disgusting, disgusting. <laughs> The only thing that I really come out positive from the match was it was cool to see the Iron Claw uh, get applied. You could tell, uh, was it Baron Von Raschke, I think? Raschke. Yeah, Baron Von Raschke, yeah. Uh, seeing how happy he was to be doing that yeah. oh. and getting to be involved, that was great. And the crowd really reacted to it. I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was Otherwise, cool. that match was a snooze fest for me. And I think it kind of took away from the previous match, you know, the super click and... Uh, Jurassic Express and Christian Cage for me, like we had, we had basically already seen uh, what essentially is a street fight just under a different name. So for me, otherwise, it wasn't that great or nothing special about it. I gave it one star. I did think that there were a couple of parts that made me laugh, like when they were going under the ring and they pull out like a print symbol as a weapon that got a chuckle <laughs> yeah, out of me. A, a water ski, like what? That kind of seemed dangerous when you just like spike in it in like people's faces. Just yeah, I feel like they were they kind of ran out of Minnesota items real quick. Yeah, but a, a bunt cake tin. <laughs> just Tony was really selling that so yeah. hard too. A yeah. bunt cake, a toaster. So I I think I don't know, Chris. Did you give your your star rating on that? Yeah, one, one star. So yeah, I think one that was around. one star all around. Yep. And then getting to the main event of the show, Woo. Hangman Adam Page defeats Kenny Omega. What were your thoughts? Um, I'll start it off by saying this is their first passing of the torch moment. Um, AEW is a short-lived company, so they haven't had the opportunity to do that yet, but I felt this was that moment. Kenny's been the best wrestler um, in the industry, and he's been the biggest star probably, arguably, in AEW, and it's his time to give it over to Hangman. Um I, something seems a little bit off with Hangman or um, Kenny. I think there's some rumors online about injuries or uh, him being fatigued and hurt. 
Um, I could see that in terms of the lack of high spots, just him doing physical high spots. It was more so he was just was kind of taking things and, um, but not doing a lot of, um, I don't know if there's a couple of moves that he just didn't do that was in his normal move set, but it was a fine match. It was a very great crowning moment for hangman. Um, much like the MJF match in the punk and Eddie match, there was a clear storyline to it. I think maybe the announcers kind of hit us over the head with it a little bit. Um, but I, I loved it. I think it was a great, great moment and you got to see hangman, get his big victory. I love the way that they had the bucks come out. And I normally do not like to see that um, any kind of other wrestlers come in. And especially I don't need to see the bucks really in this match, but it did make everything come full circle. Those two buckshot lariats with them looking on uh, wrapped up this side of the story, but it's opening the chapter for another one. So cool match. I liked it a lot. Yeah, and and as far as Kenny, I I read something today that he actually is battling both vertigo and just some really bad, uh, I think back issues or something like that. So, you know, for him to put on the match that he did, how the fuck is he have vertigo and do that? Wow, T's and P's, T's and P's. Jeez, absolutely, just he's he's on another level. The fact that he was still able to put on that match and you know pass the torch to Hangman in a meaningful way is really exciting and. I'm kind of jumping ahead because I'm going to talk a little bit about what's probably what I'm most looking forward to as we look into the next few weeks with AEW, but knowing that he's hurt, seeing how the Bucks ended that match in terms of giving Hangman that nod of go ahead and do it. We're not going to stop you on that second buck buckshot lariat, especially. I wonder if now we're going to see Kenny almost get kicked out of the super click or something like that. Um, I just, and that'll give him some time to, you know, heal up and maybe come back at the new uh, year. Yeah, but for sure. But I, I just, I thought that that match for me, it was, it was everything I wanted it to be. It, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a seven star match. Like it wasn't Okada versus Kenny, but it was for me. It was a five star match. It, it was beautifully told in the ring, the story, um, the way they ended it with the Bucks coming out and not actually messing with it, especially after seeing Hangman walk up to them on Friday Night Rampage. And say, you know, hey, we're even. You cost me, I cost you. If you cost me this match, I'll beat your asses. Um, I thought that it was just, it was beautifully done. I think the the Bucks, sometimes they do goofy stuff, but they also, at the end of the day, really understand how to bring emotion into wrestling. And, you know, in that moment, I just, I like, I felt proud for Hangman the second that he got the nod from uh, Matt, like, go ahead and do it. So I'm really interested in seeing how things go from here. I'm grateful for the fact that we were able to get this two years after it all kind of started. And, you know, cowboy shit for the rest of the year, hopefully far into 2021. Can't wait to see what Hangman does as champion. Cowboy shit indeed. Um, Who would have thought, I mean, especially you, Chris, that uh, Kenny Omega would be the one kicking out of that one-winged angel that... Really was interesting to see Cow- uh, Hangman take that into his arsenal. And what came out of both of these guys' arsenal was insane. The The amount of moves that happened, the pop-up avalanche Liger bomb that Kenny did, just amazing. Yeah, if he has incredible. You're saying he, he has, has vertigo, vertigo, and he's injured, and he's popping up and doing that. Just insane. Yeah. The amount of times that they both did a release German to each other and they landed on their heads – insane um they really just felt like they were both just 
throwing everything they had at each other and, and every ounce of effort they had in it too. Um, a little bit of the biting of the forehead on both sides. We we're seeing that quite a bit in AEW now. Uh, I thought this match was perfect from the, the ending little, the go home, I guess you'd say once uh, hangman hit that buckshot lariat to the ref, the, the bucks come down, give their little, their nods of approval. And it does open up some kind of new door, especially if he is injured. We'll see maybe that suit. Yeah. That, like you were saying, that super click, emergence to is adam adam cole was never down with hangman page it seems like is he gonna be the shit eater that he is and just throw his name into the ring try and fuck around there i think it was for four and a half stars as well i think this match perfect culmination of this feud that's gone on for so long and this friendship that kind of broke and we'll see what goes on with the, the even bigger friendship after yeah, there's a lot to anticipate with it, but just to go back on your your mentioning of that uh, ref bump in terms of like how ref bumps go in in wrestling and like how light you could tap a ref and they like fall to the ground and they're out for five minutes. I want that ref to still be uh, ringside selling that injury for the next like two or three <laughs> weeks of dynamite because that was a pretty brutal uh, lariat that he hit him with. He took it all. I thought I thought Aubrey was gonna bite it when she was running down. I got nervous for it. I was like, "Don't ruin uh, the match on accident!" Like falling and Titus, Titus O'Neil. She's she was going so fast. I was like, "Oh, don't don't ruin it." Um, oh, okay, you brought up before of like, okay, what's gonna happen with the super click? And is Adam Cole gonna turn them on Kenny? I think that's a very bullet club thing to do is that they get kicked out. He goes and sits and takes a powder and takes some time off, which is much needed. He his face does need a break. Mox did the same thing when he lost the title to Kenny, he needed to go away for a while. Um, and I think Kenny does deserve to go away for a while too. He's just beat up and, um, the vertigo thing I didn't know, but I, I knew he was beat up and had some injuries with his back or shoulder or foot or something. Cause there's been talks online about him being injured for so long, but it does also harken back to more click stuff. Um, attitude era in 1998. So I'm thinking of when, uh, Michaels dropped the belt to Austin DX had like a different version of DX and kicked Michaels out and then triple H, you know, started a new faction. So maybe this is what happens now where, um, Adam Cole starts a new version of the elite um, and brings Bobby Fish in, setting up the opening the door for Kyle O'Reilly or Kevin Owens to come in a couple months. That could be a place of where this new wow. uh, group goes, and you can start this nice feud there. You could also make it be where maybe they do turn Cody heel and he gets involved in the group. Maybe it's something where um, eventually it gets to the point where the Bucks and Kenny and Hangman are the elite, but they're all faces. Um, so there's a lot of directions that they can go, but I do think of it being like a 1998 um, start uh, for the second act of AEW where they're going to have um, Kenny in the role of Shawn Michaels going on the shelf and Adam Cole in the role of Triple H getting his new ascent. There is always that possibility of that forbidden door bringing in that forbidden love and the golden lovers to Kenny's side later on. If this boils down to a elite versus super click kind of deal, could always see him. If we're, we're seeing Ishii this week, so those New Japan stars are going to keep rolling in. Can't wait to see how it all shakes out. It almost feels like this is a, a new season starts this week. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, and one thing too at the very end of the match, I a great moment that was a five star moment is when 
um, Dark Order comes down and they want, they still care about making Hangman feel great and wanting to be in his good graces and have him be their leader and suck up to him because that's the nature of Dark Order. So they give him a beer and he turns it down because he doesn't need it anymore. Just great. Awesome, great moment um, that, again, just wrapped up this arc of his character uh, and did it perfectly. And that was a feel-good moment that was so subtle and real and felt awesome. I I loved what they did there at the end of the match. It was a great moment. Um, Didn't hear a lot of talk about people crying, but I thought this was going to be one of those matches where, like, people cry because they're so happy with it. Like, you know, people cried when Punk came back. I was anticipating, like, memes and videos going viral of guys crying or whatever but uh nevertheless it, it it didn't take away the motion of the match it was a it was a great story i gave it four and a fourth um but this is a match too where i'll watch a lot and i'll watch it back again and again and again and my prior ratings will vary with time um and i'll catch things that i didn't catch before because these guys are both great at putting easter eggs and subtle things that you might not watch on second and third glance. You might have to watch it more times to be able to see the beauty and the uh, layers in it. So I'm excited to see what subtleties they put in there that went over my head initially. And I want to shout out, there is a, uh, I think his name's Brian Mann. Uh, He's a former WWE writer that put out a great series leading up to this match over the last few days uh, called The Good, The Bad, and The Elite, which is basically the entire story of hangman his story arc and kind of leading up to this match so um i'm gonna actually go back and rewatch all of those and then watch the match immediately after to really see kind of all those subtleties because i think that this is definitely one of those things where every time we watch it we're gonna find something new that was all the matches so overall i know we kind of touched on it at the beginning but just an overall rating for the show and it doesn't necessarily have to be stars it could be you know a b c or d type of a thing what did you guys think? Was there anything that you would like to see changed for the next show, next pay-per-view that is uh, just overall thoughts of full gear? Chris? Uh, oh, John, you can go first. Go for it, bud. Uh, I definitely think it was an A, um, four and a half stars out of five. I think there's a little things that could have been trimmed. Of course, there always is that, like you guys were saying, the uh, street fight and a falls count anywhere match, the, it's both two matches without rules. If we're going to do that, let's spread it out a little too, too much there. Everything else. Fantastic. Um, I definitely think this was the top pay-per-view that they've had since their inception. Um, Just balls to the wall. Great. Yeah. It felt very epic, you know, and that's uh, something that the fans have asked for. They wanted a a pay-per-view that's, um, all killer, no filler. And just like how we say Cody doesn't listen, fans kind of don't listen too. like, well, okay, we gave you a pay-per-view that's all epic matches where it feels like a culmination. It doesn't feel like it's just a TV match. Granted, yeah, some of those matches went long, but this is what happens then when you don't have fucking Flow Rider or Machine Gun Kevin doing a musical, you know, (laughs) what? No, Machine Gun Kevin. Oh, whatever. No, it's Machine Gun Kelly. What the fuck? Whatever. (laughs) Same guy. But like, but there's no skits. There's no dancing. There's no legends. There's no Ron Simmons saying damn. There's no plugging of WWE.com shop zone. So yeah, it's going to take some of that. So if you eliminate that, you don't get maybe those moments to breathe 
but it was great that those video packages weren't 10 minutes long and they didn't go on forever. And so, yeah, the matches felt a little bit longer, but they feel longer because there's not all this bullshit around it. So that's the consequences when you don't have some of that crap. It doesn't give you that time to breathe, um, but it's fine. It, that's what I like to see. This is up my alley and this is for my taste. This is what I would prefer even going into it that, yeah, there's going to be a match that's garbage style wrestling that goes on too long, like the inner uh, inner circle street fight. But okay, that's not my cup of tea, but there's going to be fans there that fucking love that match and had a blast. And they probably thought that was a four star match. I'm sure there's tons of people who gave that four stars. Um, and I think uh, based on your viewpoint as a fan and what you like aesthetic, uh, aesthetically, you're going to give these all different types of star ratings. People are going to give that opener three stars. They're going to give it five stars. There's going to be folks that thought the main event was a dud and, or maybe thought it was just three. Um, so it's, uh, there's a lot of different uh, viewpoints on this mat on the show, but I think everyone did like it and thought this was very, very good and high quality. Um, I loved it. I think this was their best pay-per-view they've ever done. Yeah, this this was a great show, and and going off the the fact that there wasn't a whole lot of filler, um, I think that ultimately, if you're complaining about that, you're basically saying they gave me too much for my money, <laughs> because yeah, really, definitely. what they did was they made it worth the fifty dollars that we spend. Honestly, my complaint about it being long is because Chris and I live about an hour away from each other, so I had to drive home at midnight. Other than that, really, there's it was I'm happy with the actual content of the show. I'd rather it feels like they're giving these matches the amount of time they deserve rather than cutting them short. And then I feel cheated. So while I can sit here and say it, it dragged on towards the end, especially like that inner circle match, because I was so ready for seeing hangman's coronation. It felt like that match was two hours long at a, at a certain point overall in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal. And when I go back to rewatch it, I can skip whatever I don't want to see. And I still get as much of the other matches as they really deserved. So happy with that. Chris, you had talked earlier before we got to this segment about how it almost feels like none of the agents really spoke to each other. I think if I had a legitimate critique, that's probably what it is. It felt like every single match had an apron spot, felt like every single match had an Eddie spot, especially with the Eddie spots when multiple people were doing the same one, when multiple people were doing the three amigos. That was a little bit weird for me. I would have rather to almost see like, you know, maybe in the tag match, they do the Eddie, uh, he hit me with the title kind of bit that he does, you know, kind of incorporating the lie, cheat, steal stuff. True. That that, that would have been perfect. That's great. Yeah. So I think for me that that is where my critique kind of comes. And at the end, if that's what my critique is, that's a hell of a show. So, and it's fine that they're not overproduced and they don't have these out of touch guys that haven't wrestled in 30 years putting this together back when they couldn't. So I like that, that that's just the consequences of it not being corporate. Absolutely. It was a, it was a fine show. Uh, Actually way better than fine. I don't know why I said that. It was an A show for me. It was a fucking show. show. Um, And, you know, really, I think that uh, obviously there has to be filler matches because you can't just go, 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 go. Um, and like those filler matches were just longer than a typical one, but that's fine. And, uh, kind of lastly, we have a, a fun first time for this segment. Uh, we ask everybody who gives us a review to leave a comment. And then in that comment, give us kind of a question that you want us to address on the show. 
And we have our first one from a new friend of the show, Little Bruiser One. Uh, and he asked us, what is your wrestling holy grail? So a wrestling match or segment that you find yourself going back to time after time. Uh, really interested in kind of hearing your both of your thoughts. So uh, take it away, boys. Um, I'll start since I probably have the most connection to Little Bruiser. Um, hello. Good to uh, get a great question from you. Um, definitely Holy Grail match for me is something that kind of took me back to my childhood every time I watch it. Alex kind of mentioned before in um, the podcast that he wasn't a big fan of tag team wrestling. Um, unlike him, I loved it, grew up on it, and that's what I wanted to be with like my cousin. It was... But by far, the match had to be the Dudleys, the Hardys, and Edge and Christian in the WrestleMania 17 TLC match for the, the titles. I think the Dudleys had them at the time. Uh, it was a great just culmination of the multiple extreme matches that they've had. I think it was perfect at that time to kind of show people, like, this is what wrestling is. It's pretty crazy. It's balls to the wall. People just throwing their bodies everywhere. The, uh, the third manager uh girlfriend or friend or little brother they added perfectly into the match throughout the whole thing rhino helped the edge and christian get the win so it worked perfectly one of the most famous spots probably the most ultimate fuck it situation when edge did that famous spear off the ladders i think that's forever painted in every wrestling fan's head if they saw it uh even the tower of tables that matt and bubba ray go through and that it just takes me back to being a kid and like probably what that was was that 2000 or 2000 2001 just nine years old just seeing that just like holy shit this is this is definitely what i enjoy subjective art form but it's still an art form this is a match i tell anyone to watch and I'd love to go back and watch it myself. I know Michael P.S. Hayes, I think, probably booked it. He, he got a lot of flack from X-Pac for putting these guys in these matches that put their bodies on the line. But it definitely made an impression in my young wrestling fans' head and forever will love these matches. There were so many of them that followed and had happened prior that just were so great. It really built my fandom as a young child. What about you, Chris? What was your holy grail? Yeah, also from WrestleMania X7, um, Austin versus Rock. Uh, that match had been built up perfectly. It was the match that everyone wanted to see. Uh, the fact that it was their first big stadium show and stadium WrestleMania show in so many years was really cool. Um, of all things, the limp fucking biscuit song of my way. My way! Yeah, <laughs> that was like, who would have thought that would have been the... Um, oh greatest video package of all time from limp biscuit but that song is perfect for that match and they did a masterful job with it and um very historic moment that was the end of the attitude era in that match um i freaked out watching it live that was one of the most hyped up i've ever been for a match uh it's one of my favorite main events of all time i think it's criminally underrated too um, I think that's one of the best matches of all time, bar none, and it told a fantastic story. So that's mine. That's one I'll show to non-fans as, uh, as well. So because I'm the host, I'm going to cheat and give two, uh, a modern one and then an older one. So just like you I dick. used to be, <laughs> just like I used to be kind of anti tag team wrestling until I kind of really saw how good it could be outside of WWE. I also used to just instantly not like old stuff. 
uh, just because I was like, ah, eh, it can't be that great. They weren't as athletic, you know, it was, it was just not the same thing that I was used to seeing. And so I, I kind of want to give my, my older match and then also one that's kind of newer that I continually watch. Um, so the older one being Wrestle War 89, Music City Showdown, Ricky Steamboat versus uh, Ric Flair. I think that that match in terms of story leading into it with Steamboat winning the first match at the Chi-Town Rumble and then winning the two out of three falls match, but with the little bit of gray area with Ric Flair having his foot on the ropes on that last fall and then going into this match was just, I think, I think that at, at that time, Ric Flair couldn't have put on a bad match if he tried to. And, you know, it was like Kenny Omega being able to wrestle a broom and give it a four star match. I think that just the story going into it is super intriguing. I think it's not it's not quite the match though that I would show somebody who's a non-fan because I think that they need to see the build up. I think my match that I would want to show just a non-fan if I want to be like, "Hey, this is wrestling, this is really cool" is actually uh, a lot more modern. It's an NXT match. It's Johnny Gargano and Andrade uh Cien Almas at Takeover Philly. I have seen that match more than any other match I've ever watched. Sean and I, we went to uh, Florida a few years ago and ended up on a plane with Johnny Gargano and I didn't want to interrupt him, but I, like, I regret now that I didn't go up and tell him how much that match means to me. I, uh, I have friends that have seen so much of that match because they've walked in on me watching it. I used to, I used to have a roommate back when that match first happened that they know the spots, even though they've never watched the full match, like they know when Zelina Vega does stuff, they know when other people get involved because I've had it on so much, like somebody who's obsessed with friends and just watches it constantly. That's that match for me. Um, so I, I think that from a, what I would show any fan or any non-fan like to get their interest, that would be the match. Uh, but if I'm suggesting to somebody who is a fan and just wants to have a better appreciation for kind of old school wrestling, or maybe just doesn't understand like who's Ric Flair, like why is he such a legend? I would tell him to go back and watch uh, Wrestle War 89, but also watch the previous matches that kind of led up to that. All right. Well, we really appreciate the question, Lil Bruiser. Uh, hope hope more questions come in. Uh, really appreciate it. And I think actually that kind of got us talking as we uh, saw that question come in. I think we're probably going to do a couple of kind of mini episodes where we talk about matches like that, that, are, that really cement our fandom, things that we would show people uh, if they wanted to get into wrestling. So we'll definitely kind of have those planned and having those come out soon i think we had a great show uh in terms of quality from AEW this past week i'm really looking forward to seeing what we get from them this week and kind of what comes next i don't know if because i believe winter is coming last year was like the first or second week of december i don't know if that's still going to be a special episode this year or if that was like a one one-off thing because sting was coming um, but i'm hoping we get another kind of special episode soon I know Tony Khan also confirmed the, it's not Clash of the Champions, but the Battle of the Belts, I believe is what they called it. That'll be happening in January. So there's a lot to look forward to over the next few weeks. Um, But please make sure you're rate reviewing and subscribing to us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. Submit questions to us. You can submit them to us on the website even. Uh, Happy to talk about it with anybody. We're really excited for what's to come. Any thoughts? Um, I'm definitely looking forward to the the future addition of Jay Lethal into the AEW world. Uh, hopefully, I'd love to see him get that belt off Sammy. I think he's a perfect ROH kind of TV title owner. So it'd be perfect to give him the TNT title. 
and see where he takes it from there because he's definitely a great match nearly every time he's out there. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I don't think they can top this pay-per-view for a long time. And I think probably Revolution could be some semblance of a disappointment per se. But that's fine. You know, they just got to go in another uh, direction with the company. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what type of show they put on. Is it going to be another show that's four hours? That's epic where there's not a lot of downtime and it's all ring action. I think there's this pay-per-view is probably... Uh, three and a half hours of wrestling. Um, you know, if you took out the video packages and other stuff, I think it was probably like it ran that long in the ring. So interesting to see what they do next. I think um, more people will be watching their pay-per-views and these will be more of a um, an old school feel back in the day when you would get a pay-per-view and you'd bring all your friends over to watch it and you'd have non-friends that were there too. I think AEW's evolving uh, and it's going to get more people watching to want to do that too. So I'm excited to see where they go. And I'm excited for us to be answering more questions. I know that sounds like a little brown nosy, but like we genuinely appreciate getting questions and we do want to make that a reoccurring segment of the show. And we appreciate anyone who listens to the show itself. Like it's fucking cool that we had so many listens right before um, full gear went on. It was cool to see that. Uh, it was very awesome and we don't take it for granted. Yeah, definitely. And and looking forward to uh, Jay Lethal as well. I think somehow that even got lost in the shuffle because it was such an interesting show. And it was just kind of the way that they did the intro. There wasn't any sort of like a run in or Mm -hmm. anything like that. Surprises. So they needed to stop doing that. And this was Mm -hmm. a great way to just have Tony introduce them. It didn't have to be a big thing. Um, And it wasn't a video package. It was something different. It was a new way to introduce someone new. And now they can do another different way to introduce someone new for the next time. When Bray Wyatt comes up, they can have him come out of a swamp in Jacksonville or whatever they want to do. When Braun Strowman comes up, when Honky Tonk Man returns, whatever it is, they're going to do. No, no, no. I'm I'm absolutely looking forward to it. I think that one of the best parts of AEW is four pay-per-views a year. And so they always bring it every time because they don't ha- they don't get that same complacency um, because they they need to get us to buy it because it's not you know free or ten dollars a month or anything like that and then they also at the end of the day uh, they only do four of them so they want to make sure they're memorable and they've done a really good job especially with crowds being back crowds are such an important part of a wrestling show I really appreciate what they were able to do during the covid era but the last three pay-per-views now uh, with with fans has just been incredible but that is our show and uh, we appreciate everyone for listening. Once again, please rate, review, subscribe, submit any questions that you have. Let's hit the music boys. Hit the music.